Good morning. Uh, Today's scripture reading is from Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. The word of God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for uh, that welcome. It's always great to come here and worship together with you. Thanks for the team leading us as we uh, recognize that our focus of attention in all of these gatherings as God's people, no matter whether it's on a Sunday morning or in a small group, whether we are in, in a, a, a time of, of high expectation or even struggle, the Lord is with us. Amen? I mean, He's always with us. And, and I do bring you greetings from the, the Leadership Council of the Association and uh, Andrea Schroth, who uh, is related to some of you here, and uh, also who is in our office as our administrative assistant. And, and I, I bring you greetings uh, from the churches that we visit regularly around the association. If you don't know, the Alberta Baptist Association has nearly 60 churches, and we work together as churches because we believe we can do just so much more together than we can do by ourselves as individual congregations, including efforts in church planting, in international missions, in leader development, uh, in encouraging pastoral teams, and, and in doing important things just like we are doing today, is uh, bringing a, a new team to bring leadership alongside of the leadership that is here already at Thornhill Baptist Church. It's a joy for for me to be able to be part of this installation service. You know, when you say the idea of installation, first of all, it, it sounds mechanical, doesn't it? Something like you would do to some software into a computer or maybe even a particular piece of bathroom equipment. I don't know. That's what you think about when you think about installing something But of course, within the context of the church, an installation service such as this is really such a very high time for the church because it positively affirms that gifted leaders such as Pastor Ryan, along with his wife Natalie, are particularly called to lead, to in that way, serve within the context of the church for the strengthening of the church. In fact, this is precisely what the Apostle Paul was explaining to some of the earliest followers of Jesus when he wrote to the church in Ephesus saying that for the good of the church, for the health of the body of Christ, 
God has purposefully called certain individuals to be set apart. To do what? Set apart to equip his people for their works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, may be strengthened. And while this is the express purpose of our celebration today, to focus of this occasion should also be in reminding us all that we serve, that all of us are called. If some are specially set aside to equip the saints, what are we all called to do? We are called to serve our Lord wherever he plants us, in whatever context that may refer, in the communities where we live, in the families that we are part of, in the places where we work or study or grow, we are all called to serve. We are all set aside for his kingdom purposes. I think most of us understand that, that this is a privilege, really it is, to serve, to work alongside of our Lord. Because as he was a key transformative agent in the history of all of creation and the universe. We are called to join him as, tran as change agents who know the world needs transformation. This is to encourage all of us that we sort out with Jesus. All of us. We sort out the gifts and the passions and the opportunities that belong to all of us in his service for as long as we draw breath on this planet. So really this exciting day of celebration should give us all reason to pause and to reflect upon the nature of calling. And in particular, to underscore the simple but profound truth that calling assumes listening. So for just a few moments this morning, let's turn our attention to the Word of God, to the portion of Scripture that was read for us just moments ago. This is a very familiar account in the life of Jesus where we observe Jesus setting someone apart. We step into the process of how Jesus was calling where we hear Jesus purposefully calling someone and where we discover that that someone was listening. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, the larger portion of Scripture from which we were reading just a moment ago, in this section of Scripture, we are introduced to the most incredible fishing story of all time where a miraculous drama unfolds as an amazing number of fish are caught, right? But also, this is an account of one of Jesus' earliest followers being caught. We read in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 5, which was just a moment ago read, when Jesus had finished speaking to the multitude, you remember the, the context of this, he had spoken to the multitude from a fisherman's boat offshore because, you know, Jesus understood that if you speak with that 
that water be in front of everyone, the magnification process occurs. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Notice in this that Jesus was calling and that somehow Peter was listening. Verse 5, And Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. You can almost hear a deep breath and go, Okay, right? Now, at first glance, we're really inclined to say, well, of course, Peter was listening to the Lord because he was right there next to the Lord. Yet this is very important because Jesus didn't have to somehow catch Peter's attention, did he? Send some kind of supernatural memo to Peter. He didn't have to make a spiritual appointment with Peter. Peter was able to hear from the Lord because Peter was close to the Lord, which begs the question, how did Peter get that way? How did Peter get close to the Lord? Well, essentially, Peter was close to Jesus because Jesus had come close to Peter. We read in verses 1 to 3, one day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. He just got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the, Peter, the people from the boat. In this, it's clear that it was Jesus who moved towards Peter. It was Jesus who got into Peter's boat, who stepped into Peter's life. Now, of course, for, for Peter, this was a bit of a disruption in his day, in his agenda, in his life, because, first of all, Peter was at work. He was still cleaning up after a long, frustrating night of fishing. Verse 2 reminds us that when Jesus stepped into the boat that morning, Peter and the other fishermen were washing their nets, which they do after they've been fishing. While Jesus was close, Peter was doing what he always did. So Peter had to deal with disruption to his routine, to his busy or tiring or boring but predictable routine. First, Peter was at work. Second, Peter was among his peers. Can't you just hear some of the fishing buddies who are floating on by in the boats behind them saying, Hey, Pete, what's with the guy in the boat? Peter had to deal with disruption to his reputation, to his status among his fishing peers. Third, Peter was, shall we say, a little rough on the edges. And he knew it. He even admitted it after the miraculous catch of fish. Later on in this section of Scripture, it says in verse 8 of this chapter, Lord, Peter's saying, Lord, 
Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He knew that he had issues. Peter had to deal with the disruption to his identity, to how he even saw himself. Once Jesus got into his boat, he had to see that he was in need of Jesus, a sinner. Certainly, Jesus was close, but listen what happened in this. To listen to the Lord, Peter had to deal with how disruptive that was in his life. And you and I know that as it was for Peter, so it is for all of us, that when it comes to listening to the Lord, Jesus still takes the initiative. He is the one who still comes close. He moves our way. He steps into our lives, sometimes when we don't even realize it, sometimes whether we want it or not. But to hear his voice more than anything, we, like Peter, must deal with what that does to impact our lives. We must deal with the distractions that are imminent in our day-to-day if Jesus steps into our boats. We must reckon with the busyness that often fills our lives, the tyranny of the urgent, as we've come to call it. We must watch out for the boredom of routine and the seduction of fatigue. We must stare down the noise of peer pressure when Jesus gets towards us. We must come to grips with who we really are or who we really are not when Jesus steps into our lives because it's one thing to be close physically, even geographically. It's another thing to be close relationally, attentively, to be close enough to Jesus to really listen. Listening to the Lord assumes that we are close to the Lord. But of course, that is a huge assumption to make, and not because He, the Lord, is far away. Indeed, the Scriptures are persistent in reminding us that the Lord is with us. We read in 2 Chronicles 15 too, the Lord is with you when you are with Him. <laughs> right? So it just begs us, are we with Him? Are we really close enough to hear His voice? Or are there those normal distractions of life which make listening to the Lord feel like some kind of impractical, mystical, spiritual exercise. Is that how it works? That to get close to the Lord, to hear His voice, we have to kind of get into some unusual space? Is there some kind of noise in your day today, in my heart, which blocks out the voice of the Lord, which mitigates against hearing the call of God, Sometimes we need to pull away for elongated periods of time in silence. I do that regularly. Times of solitude, fasting from whatever distracts our day to day. But always we must be conscious to be open and ready to hear His voice. Regularly, even fervently, we need to pray alongside of others to test whether or not we are actually listening to His voice 
or to some imaginary voice, perhaps some indigestion from the night before, to measure the validity of what we are hearing from the Lord. Friends, there is no question that the Lord is speaking. The question which remains is, are we close enough to hear? Peter was. In fact, Peter took listening to a whole extra level. He took listening from hearing the Lord's words to obeying the Lord's words. As we've already noticed in verses 4 and 5, when Jesus had finished speaking to the multitude, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, we've worked hard all night, Master, and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. Now just consider for a moment what it took for Peter to ever agree to that suggestion. He was a seasoned fisherman who knew the best time to fish was in that context during the night, not in the daylight hours. He would have been, at that moment, a bit of a frustrated fisherman who had already been up all night fishing and to no avail. How'd it go, honey? No fish. Don't talk to me right now, you know. He would have been a tired fisherman who had just finished washing the nets from working, just finished washing them, thinking about a bagel and a coffee or something, a place to maybe take a short nap or a long nap. Even the thought of going back out again at the recommendation of a teacher, not to be offensive to any teachers, but you know, I'm a fisherman, you're a teacher, may have made him grind his teeth a little at that moment, right? Jesus says, well, let's go fishing again. Peter goes, you're joking, right? Uh. But the amazing thing is that he did. He gave that fishing thing one more try that day. He did, listen. He did respond. So the question is, why? Why did Peter do that? What moved Peter from being attentive to being active? I mean, perhaps it was simply because Peter was honored or impressed that this rabbi would choose his old smelly fishing boat as a pulpit. Maybe that's what it was. Which begs the question, what did Peter really know about Jesus? Well, we know that Jesus had been traveling around Peter's neck of the wood for a while. We read in chapter 4, the chapter before this, in Luke chapter 4, verse 31, that Jesus came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath day. And... We know that Jesus' reputation as a teacher and as a worker of miracles was growing. We read in verse 37 of chapter 4, just before this fishing story, that the report about Jesus was getting out into every locality in the surrounding district. But most importantly, most significantly, we know that Jesus had also touched Peter's life in a very personal way already. In verse 38, we read these words. Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house, Simon's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they had made request of Jesus on her behalf. 
Verse 39, And standing over her, Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately arose and began to serve them. Now, I know there are way too many mothers-in-law among us here to ever make any mother-in-law jokes, so I'm not going to do that, all right? So. But let me just say this, that when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, things probably got a whole lot better around Peter's life, you know, you know in, his, in his household. And as a result, Peter probably got a whole lot more receptive to this stranger who had impacted his own life personally. In so many words, by the time Jesus was giving Peter some early morning fishing advice, Peter had seen enough of this Jesus, of this man's love, of this teacher's power to take the risk on this rabbi, to expend the time, to expend the energy, to consider Jesus' suggestion and engage Jesus' word. So by the time Peter and Jesus pushed off from the shore that morning, Peter had seen enough of Jesus to listen to the Lord, to be open to the Lord, open to the possibilities. Peter had seen enough of Jesus to be open to Jesus. And so the question which begs again, have we? Have we seen enough of Jesus to be really open to Jesus? Because you know that's exactly when the miracles happen. Listening to the Lord assumes that we are first close to the Lord, and second, that we are not closed to the Lord. So what does it take for us, for you and, and for me, to be open to the Lord, to be receptive to His possibilities, to, to grant Him room in our lives, to exercise His love in our lives, His power in our lives, in us and through us. What does it take? Inevitably, it takes trust. And that should come as no surprise to us because it's trust that forms the basis of all relationships. And it is trust which is imperative for any relationship to grow. In fact, it is trust which we most often identify as the word faith that is necessary for any one of us to move along with Jesus. It is our faith in God that leads us to obey Him. That's why the Word of God declares without faith, without that trust, it's impossible to please God. We're not even listening to Him. We're not even open to what He wants to do. But when we are trusting Him, watch out. Because wherever God is, the supernatural is unfolding in us and through us, as I just said. So as, as we assess our openness to the Lord, are we really assessing our level of trust in Him? We should be. Perhaps like Peter, you and I began a relationship with our Lord as we've observed Him first at a distance working the life of someone else we knew. And perhaps like Peter, you and I trusted the Lord significantly as as we progressed and discovered him in our boat, in 
our lives operative in ways that surprised us, very close, very active in the day-to-day. And perhaps that was when you and I launched into a life with Jesus. But perhaps like Peter, your trust of the Lord and my trust of the Lord is about to take a leap forward or needs to take a leap forward as he is speaking with you and I about something that's challenging us, something that is about to stretch us, something that is not all that comfortable, something that feels risky, something that may not even make sense at the moment. The question is, have you seen enough of Jesus to be open to him? I say, ask the question to Pastor Ryan and Natalie, have you seen enough of Jesus to be open to what he intends to do here with you among this family this community in the years forward. But do, do we trust Jesus enough to be open to the possibilities? To what extent are we really prepared to listen to the Lord to the point where we will do what he asks? This listening is an act of listening, an obedient listening, expecting us to carry out the word of the Lord, to practically respond to his will, to actively do whatever we have heard from him, to be responsible with what he says to us, to listen in this way, to listen with integrity. So really listening to the Lord is all about readiness. That waiting on the Lord that we've talked about here before, that that attentive waitingness, like a waiter waits for somebody who's eating a wonderful meal and, and there's no coffee in the cup and you look at it and the waiter is attentively responsive because we're waiting for what the Lord's next word is, his next instruction, his next expectation, anxiously, encouragingly, excitingly waiting. So are we ready? That's the question. As it was when Jesus spoke to Peter along the shores of Galilee, so it is today. He's speaking. He's speaking into the hearts and minds of men and women, young men and women, the world over regarding his love, regarding his salvation, regarding his sacrifice, regarding his heart for this world. He's speaking personally and persistently and purposefully so as to affirm his presence and clarify his purpose and facilitate his power, his life-transforming power within history among his human creation. But if we're ever going to be part of it, if we're ever going to hear him, we must remain close to him and not be closed to him. We must be listening so as to know what the Lord is saying and respond to the Lord's call. So are you ready? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to be ready. Every one of us here, most of us here, have responded to you at one time or another and know that that response still requires an ongoing attentiveness, an ongoing expectation, an ongoing leaning into your heart. And so we pray that you would 
so stir in my life, in every one of our lives, in Ryan and Natalie and their children's lives, as we step towards obedience, as we continue to anticipate what it is you are expecting to do in, around, and among us, and through us. Oh, Lord, our hearts are heavy these days when we consider the world and its secularization and, and its lostness, and our hearts become excited when we see how receptive people are when they get to know you. And we pray that you would so stir in us to be your agents, your servants, Call us again and again and again, we pray, from wherever that may be. Get us ready, whatever that may take, and use us for your glory and for your sake. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.